Wow, this is gonna be interesting. You better get rolling. So I got thirty percent. You have thirty percent. We'll just record. We'll record until your <laughs> until your computer dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if listeners are listening to this, we uh we went as long as we could. Welcome to episode 29 of Podcast X. I am Ben Kendrick, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Keys. Hello. Uh, today, today is a special episode because I, <laughs> after watching this episode the first time, the screener version with that big fat email watermark, I went and bought two bottles of wine from, uh, get this, it's Wayne Gretzky Estates. <laughs> this is the good oh. cheap stuff. <laughs> one bottle of uh, white wine and one bottle of red. So I'm drinking the uh, Sauvignon Blanc right now from 2021. So this is aged nicely for a good 12 to 18 months, I think. That's pretty um, pretty classy of you. <laughs> thank you, yeah. I love my 14 Canadian dollars worth of yeah. white wine. Don't you drink Earl Stevens Estates. It's an excellent wine, Earl Stevens Estates. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, okay, uh, I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, Earl Stevens, better known by the his uh, performance name E Forty, is a uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Is a oh. hip hop star who has his own extremely high proof wine. Is it? What's the price tag? Oh, buddy, that's the great part. It's like it's twenty dollars or less. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm all about the cheap wines. This, this is like local stuff only, too. In the no, right. Look it up. Earl Stevens. He makes it look real fancy. You don't know anything that you would have no idea. It's E40. It's Earl Stevens Estates. And uh, yeah, it's extremely high proof wine. It's like 18% nice. or something crazy like that. It's nuts. That's, that's my that's kind of wine. <laughs> the, uh, so yeah, I mean, for listeners who heard our intro, like we are up against a interesting timeline here. Either Kofi's battery is going to die on his computer or Rob Keys will be so drunk that we won't be able to continue <laughs> sleeping. So it's, it's yeah, or just sleeping. Yeah, it's a uh, seeing Rob drunk from our previous Comic Con experiences is is a treasure to behold for anybody who hasn't. Uh, no, usually it's because I'm on assignment and it's part of the job. You know, I like, know. Uh, I know. You're you know like, James Bond does his martini shaking, or who cares? That's kind of like me once in a yeah. while. It's like Rob just sometimes has to get so drunk that he ends up passing out next to the bathtub without pants or on. painting like, walls you know. in London. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, we all know how we got in with WB, all right? Yeah. We, uh, you got to put in the work. You got to put in the work, guys. Got to get them gotta scoops. Yeah, you got to put in the work. You know, this business is a face-to-face yeah. business, drink to drink. <laughs> sometimes it gets even more serious than that, but you got to put in the work. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, as you can hear, special guest Kofi Outlaws uh, with us as well. You all need to learn from that guy on Fa Fa Firefest. Got to be willing to do the work. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be legends. Yeah, that's it. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about the Mandalorian season three, episode one premiere. Um, and then, if we have any time, we'll we'll circle up on maybe some other Star Wars stuff. But I think we're we're going to try and keep this one a little bit tight in the event that Kofi's computer just dies on him. So uh, you guys want to get started? I 
I'm curious what you both think. I know that Kofi's view of this is maybe a little bit more on the critical side. I don't. Why don't we start with you, Rob? Because I have no idea what you've thought. Of. No, 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 Ben. Why don't we start with you? You literally made uh, us late because okay, you're fair. watching it, so that's you're fair. so fresh. Uh, I have seen it twice, though. So, so, but you go first. Okay. So, I mean, there's there's still things. I still feel like like Andor. I think ironically, because I was not all that excited about Andor going into it and then ended up really, really enjoying it and feeling like it was representative of what I really wanted out of sort of these Disney Plus shows and expanding the universe and everything. Um, I think Andor, I think I've kind of been spoiled by like the quality that Andor brought to it, because now going back to The Mandalorian, I, I like this better than The Book of Boba Fett. I liked it better than, you know, some of the other stuff that we've seen lately. But I don't know. It was lacking a little bit of the punch for me that the previous seasons had. And I think maybe it's just the setup to this episode because this is really like he is jumping all over the place in the first episode. And I know, Rob, you know, you've seen the second episode. I I don't think you're able to like really talk about that one yet, but, you know, maybe it gets better. Maybe it kind of locks into place. But I mean, I was having trouble kind of keeping up with everywhere we were going and like why we were going there in some ways. And it kind of felt like detached from the main story in a lot of ways, even though he's kind of going to these different places in order to prepare himself for this, you know, this mission to go check out Mandalore. But I don't know. I mean, we start out with this weird scene that I thought was a flashback and then turned out to just be (laughs) present day with a giant alligator. And I didn't really understand like why people weren't just like running away from that alligator. They were like deciding that they needed to like stand their ground and kill it. And uh, like, it was just kind of stuff like that, where it felt like maybe there was a little bit of sort of style over substance happening. I mean, Bo-Katan is laid out on, you know, on her throne kind of in this, in this empty citadel. And like, it's just like, there's an, it was more important to kind of like have a badass shot of her, I feel like, and kind of evoke like this mental state that she's in than it was to really have that make sense in some ways. So the episode to me was a bit style over substance, style over substance, but I still enjoy watching like Grogu kind of mess around in the background while the Mandalore's like their kind of little buddy comedy routine is still still fun. I think I probably like Pedro Pascal even more now as the Mandalorian after having sort of seen what he's been doing on The Last of Us. And it's like now that I sort of have the image of him a little bit more like under the hood, I think it's, you know, it, I don't know, kind of just like makes me love that character a little bit more. But I don't know. I just felt like the stakes were kind of low and I'm not exactly clear on like where all this is headed. And I don't know. It just didn't feel like a very exciting first. I mean, that that asteroid scene is sick and you know the fighting the crocodile was like inter- you know i mean it was fun to watch them take on this big thing but i feel like it was a little bit untethered from what was a more streamlined story in the second season even though it took some kind of bizarre detours as well but um i don't know i'm curious what you guys think i felt i just felt like it was the greatest hits like we were just going and like reintroducing everybody that we needed to reintroduce and maybe episode two kind of locks into place but this was a bit of a, I don't know, it felt like a mixtape or something, not an actual episode. Listen, there's a point Uh-oh. in every show, <laughs> like where, I mean, it's about the third season, 
where the show starts, you know, getting high off its own farts because it's so popular now. <laughs> like that South Park episode, you know, like it's smug, right? Like, it, and that's where I kind of feel like this episode. I've heard good things about the second. I've only seen the first. I've heard that the second one locks in a place. And there's a lot with this season that can be really cool about getting back to Mandalore, digging into the because the spotty, unfinished history of that in canon about the Great Purge and what's happened and why everybody's scattered and what the planet used to be. There's shit that in there that goes all the way back to the High Republic and or even beyond to the Old Republic and the Darksaber's origins and all that stuff is there. And, and literally, no pun intended, waiting to be mined for some epic action. And I think that's going to happen. But man, like, yeah, this first episode was just... I was just like, this is the point where the Mandalorian knows it's the Mandalorian. Like they pulled off the Luke thing at the end. Now we're just like throwing Grogu and Mando into Book of Boba Fett for entire episodes. It's like the Mandalorian's that popular now. So, and then like you said, it, it, it's like a greatest hits. They're just doing stuff where you you're doing stuff because you are the Mandalorian and you feel you must do these Mandalorian things. Like now it's just become a running gag trend to have a big beast in the first episode that like busts out and everybody has to fight or get away your ship away from it's now cause it's a seasonal tradition. And like you said, we got to not just visit everybody, but visit them in their most badass iconic poses, the armors fucking with her fires and Bo-Katan's laid out on the throne, all pissy because she can't get her <laughs> respect back. And like, you know, grief Karga gets to chew scenery and be the fucking man. And I love Carl Weathers and you know, anything Carl's weather does is good gold to me, but Grogu's fucking force spinning in a chair. Oh, that shit. That's so cute. I want to die. You like, you know, like <laughs> it's just, we're going through the numbers and like, I got up in the middle of the night to plan the content for like comicbook.com on this. And it was just like, I just went back to sleep afterwards. I feel like some of my bosses were kind of annoyed the next day. They were like, <laughs> <laughs> they were like so what did you think of them? They're like, what do you have for the Mandalorian? I was like, I don't know. I was like, I feel like people have, I mean, we did the big stuff like, hey, here's IG-88. Everybody's coming back. Like, you know, like that was the only, I mean, that was a really cool point for me was when it went Terminator for like a split second. And like, Yeah, that was know, pretty fun. That was pretty fun. Yeah, that got freaky for a split second. But then it's like, okay, now we're even getting into more fucking member Barry Jack. He's like, you want, you liked Babu Frick for those two seconds? I'll give you a whole bunch of fucking Babu Frick. Here it is. You love that shit. Like, and it's just like. And yeah, Grogu's going to like hug him and squeeze him. Yeah, oh, like, oh, yeah. You yeah, Now you want to fucking, you're going to bust one. You're so fucking cute. Like, yeah, it's just like. <laughs> Yeah, and and I sound like a biggest hater in the world. And the truth is, one person on fucking Twitter, of course, triggered me about you know because you because already uh, I mean so you know I, when I don't do this, I'm on the hopefully award winning comic book nation show, and my co host Janelle Wheeler, poor you know bless her heart, like she has tapped out of Star Wars because she had opinions and was a woman and kind of gotten, Ugh. you know, smacked around be, a bit. And she was just like, I'm done with this. I guess I, I, I don't like these fans at all. And I can't deal with this. And I was always like, come on, man, you can't be like that. Everybody, you know, there's star Wars for everybody. And like, but the Mandalorian season three, I think is the point where I'm beginning to tap out and be like, it's not even that I don't like, cause I sound like a hater right now, but I'm not, I mean, I enjoyed all of the things I just said. I enjoyed seeing Grogu do kid shit, cute shit. I saw it, you know, yo, baby Yoda hugging a baby ba or a Babu Frick is cute as hell. I, you know, I like seeing everybody back because I miss these people. Even Bo Katan's pouty ass, I yeah. missed her. 
for in her mysterious questions of when she ages in this franchise or not, you know, like <laughs> all these things I missed. So yeah, but it's just like, we just reached a point where it's just so on the nose about how popular it is. And all these people who, you know, I spend my time doing a lot of star Wars coverage for us. And I, I read all the comics and the books and stuff. Like I said, I'm, I'm deep into the franchise at this point. I'm not Liam Neeson. I don't mind the expansion. Um, but yeah, when the mainstream people come back out just for the Mandalorian stuff, like one of our most popular articles on the site right now is that an article about how people are pissed off at the Mandalorian season three premiere because they came to watch it. And this has become such just like the mainstream extension of star Wars that they came and they were so confused about how, why there was this complete switch of what happened between the end of season two and the beginning of season three. Like everybody's like, where the fuck is Luke? Like there's a whole bunch of people out there like this because they didn't watch the book of Boba Fett. And then they found out that you have to watch the book of Boba Fett to understand these pieces. And now there's this like this mini riot happening about this. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm like, and I think I tweeted like a couple hours ago. I was like, if you are complaining about this shit and you don't ever, and all you do is like get down on your knees every time Marvel does something like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Like, now you're going to complain because you had to watch this other Star Wars thing. Like, and this is what Star Wars, like, uniquely is so weirdly unique to Star Wars. Yeah. Is that there are so many people that are just like, fuck you. I'm going to see movies. I will watch The Mandalorian. And if you try to tell me anything else about Star Wars, I'm going to tell you you're a fucking nerd. Like, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> like, hey, like, I thought we all enjoyed Star Wars. They're like, man, I'm not watching that animated shit. And you're like, there's so many yeah. epic, unmanaged things. Fuck you. Yeah. All right. How about some of these comics? These comics are doing crazy things. Like, and Star Wars comics have been had some great storylines. You've read War. Nah, man. Fuck that. Okay. What about yeah. like book? book? Yeah, no. Like Andor. Ah. And you're like, all right. <laughs> I guess we'll just talk about Baby Yoda every week and Mando and shit. But um, that's my complaints. On a serious note, on serious critiques, I think uh, I'm like you. Andor kind of spoiled me, and I'm not going to say like Andor was perfect and not without problem, but it spoiled me in the sense that like it had, despite what people keep trying to say online, it actually had very purposeful story progression, character arcs, awesome production designs, stakes for every encounter that felt earned, even like just comparative, like there was a pirate, you know, well from the reverse Luthan was kind of the pirate in this one, but like him versus that empire ship and that whole sequence. And that didn't take a bunch of like high CGI flipping behind asteroids. It was just, a man with the plan doing some ill shit to get out of a situation. And you're like, Holy shit, that was thrilling. Um, and so I think for me where I'm going to say is I still love Mando, but it's beginning to feel like there is no real character progression to this. Like it's season three. And I feel like it's weird to me that Mando is still in law. He's supposed to be raising this kid, but he's still himself in lost puppy mode. He's literally going back to every, female motherish figure he can find and being like, will you take me or can we be friends? And they're like, no, fuck you. (laughs) He's like, well, if I restore these waters, can we be cool again? And maybe that'll build up to him finally, like being the one who unites these people back together. Cause I mean, that'll be cool if it comes around and it's like, no, he's slowly gently learning to kind of sway these two opposing factions and he's the bridge between them to come back together and be one Mandalorian people. You know what I mean? And that's something you can pull off. And 
that would be a powerful story if we can talk about a very divided society that finds a way to unite again and restore kind of the damage that's been done to them and all that stuff. There's a story there, but I hope that's what we get. And I hope that's what we build to because right now it just feels like, yeah, like if I've been with Din Djarin for two seasons and part like half of another person show. And it's just like, I don't feel like a deep connection to this character, his arc and where it's going yet. And I really kind of need that out of this in this third season. Yeah, I feel like I, and then I'll, I'll let Rob jump in. It's like, I feel, I feel similar to you. I feel like I'm a little bit adrift now, whereas at least during the first season, it was kind of clear his trajectory was, you know, navigating this relationship with Grogu and they were sort of building. <laughs> you know, it's so hard. All the like Last of Us comparisons are actually really hilarious because it's kind of like, it, you know, the first season of that was sort of him building this relationship with Grogu and now we have him playing Joel, building this relationship with Ellie and stuff. And it, it kind of is a weird, like, I don't know, parallel sort of story. But I don't know. I felt like that was a stronger kind of arc. We're off to the beginning of this one. So I don't, you know, like I said, I am willing to admit people may listen to this podcast after watching episode two and be like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? But I don't, it just, yeah, it feels like this is maybe a little bit of a, like a step back in terms of me really understanding where it's headed. I assume it's headed where you say it's headed, which is, you know, that he's going to kind of like explore this sort of cult that he has and, or that he's, you know, part of, and he's going to be able to, you know, sort of rectify himself with them, but then also inspire everybody else and like bring Bo-Katan's people back in line. That would, that seems like where it's headed, but man, it sure feels kind of like a, it feels like a, like a, RPG or something right now where he's like on a bunch of side quests that are trying to sort of build towards the main quest. And I don't, I just don't know how many more seasons I kind of want to follow this. Like I'm interested in that character being part of the world, but it's starting to feel like I don't, I don't fully like appreciate what they're building towards. Um, and I don't know how you're going to extend it beyond what you and I are sort of talking about at this point, Kofi. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, totally to Rob after this, but like, yeah, I, I just feel like this does eventually have to, and I think you're tiptoeing around it. Um, is that like, it does, this series has to evolve into something else. Yeah. Like, like whether it's Mandalorians or Mandalore or whatever the new, the new yeah. way or whatever the fuck it is. Like it has to evolve into something yeah. because it's already, they're already kind of doing this weird fracturing. where like, again, we're mixing like Boba Fett shit and Ahsoka shit in like Boba Fett story is half Mando story. It's all getting so mixed up that like, it has to be just a bigger kind of thing eventually. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's sort of how I feel about it. But the uh, I want to get I want to get Robin here. The last thing I'll say is it, it was also like to your point, it was also kind of weird. Like the recap, Ashley didn't watch the book of Boba Fett with me, and so yeah. when we sat down to watch it, she was kind of like, "There's gonna be a recap, right?" Because the, there was stuff that happened. You said in the book of Boba Fett that was kind of important, and I was like, "Yeah, he gets a new ship, and he, you know, he Grogu's off with Luke Skywalker, and he goes and gets him, and all this stuff happens." And then the recap like doesn't really even address any of the stuff about Luke Skywalker and where Grogu's been or the ship or anything. It's just kind of like it sort of shows you more like the Bo-Katan stuff, I think. And and like, I don't know. I mean, that was kind of the main stuff it showed, I think. I don't. So she was kind of like, OK, I actually need you to like tell me what happened because this isn't doing this isn't cutting it. Uh, 
<laughs> anyway, all right. So Rob, I'm I'm hopeful that Rob has a more optimistic view of this because I feel like well, a lot of people are probably this is like back old school screen ran underground where like people in general like this and I think we in general like it enough, but it it's hard to be as enthusiastic as we used to be. That's Ben's fun way of saying we're going to spit facts and not Twitter facts. And then Twitter people are going to spit negative <laughs> Twitter facts, you know. And yeah. Then, yeah, then people are going to spit negative reviews on the podcast for us being... Remember when we took so much shit for getting called out because we didn't like The Dark Knight Rises? How well that's, <laughs> that stood up to the test of time? Yeah, but you have to do that because shit start... Because now you can look back at your shit and re- respect in yourself. I mean, not Transformer stuff, but like other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I mean, true. I'm, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you, Ben. But um, no. But in all seriousness, like there are things that I I point to from old SR stuff all the time that I'm so proud of. Like I'm yeah. a proud of like what I said about Inception. I'm proud of like what I said about Man of Steel. I stand on that all the time. Yeah, yeah I push that up because that. I mean, everything I said in that, and that was like a fucking thirteen hundred word review. That shit was long. I don't yeah. believe I did shit like that. That's insane. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, doing real writing. What? That was insane. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, this was uh, like, yeah, I mean, you can look back and be proud and proud of that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, you gotta, you gotta take the shit. But I mean, let's hear, well, well, let's, before we get into this about reviews and everything, let's hear what Rob said. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, the reason I got these wines in the first place is because uh, I, you know, I saw the screeners uh, after the premiere. And, and it's interesting. The world premiere in LA, they showed the first two episodes. And I was a little surprised they only put the first one online, um, yeah. especially given with Andor. And of course, it's a very different thing with Andor. They gave us the first three. And, and, and that's reintroducing a character in a new setting. And, and it's, you know, um, it's not a follow-up season. So I kind of understand. But um but they really should have. And I would recommend, and I don't know if anyone's listening to this who hasn't seen the first episode, but for some reason you have not, do not, do not watch this episode. Wait until the second one comes out and watch them back to back. Um, but yeah, to, to pick up on the recap part of it, because you guys were just talking about that. It is weird that this episode is so much larger than the recap and they, they fail to find the balance between whether or not you do need to watch the book of Boba Fett. Cause that's to me is a, like a really bad show um, because the recap, like, it's very strange. There are things in this episode that don't compute. So, look, this episode's largely recap. It basically just informs viewers of like the current new status quo. After you know, it's been a long break since season two and that weird season two point five arc. Let's call it for the book of Boba Fett. And yeah. but like I said, they do a real disservice by launching just this episode alone. Um, I'll say this: like episode two is very different. Um, it was included at the premiere that everyone saw. So I think ending on that note probably left people coming out of that a lot more hype. And maybe, mm. maybe they forgot a lot of the first episode coming out of there. Um, but look, the, the biggest thing with this entire premiere is that the motivations for everyone either do not make sense or do not exist, except for our man, Carl Weathers. He's the only guy yeah. I actually understand. Yeah. Like, he's the magistrate. He's setting up a new world. He's hype. You know what I mean? He's doing it right. He's, he's got this sick-ass coat. He's got droids carrying his long tail jacket. Like, he's doing everything right. Uh, he's even offering a home to our boy Mando. Um, but the actual, in, like the intro recap, which t- t- catches viewers up and what happened before, it's really strange because they show like, they remind you of IG-11's explosive sacrifice and how, how Mando was banished for removing his helmet and that he can only be reinstated if he bathed in the living waters in the depths of Mandalore or whatever. Um, and then in like the, at the beginning of the show, we had that same sequence told to us again. So it's like, do we need to watch the book of Boba Fett or are you just going to have rehashed that scene and tell the same thing again? Um, 
And, and to get more detail into that, so like, look, the intro sequence of the show, Ben, you said this too. Is like, it's like, it's this weird action set piece with the giant monster that Kofi referenced. It's completely unnecessary. Serves no story purpose. Um, it's you know, it's I guess it's like a ceremony to introduce this young kid into the clan, and this kid seems to be a younglin, maybe to Vaz's character, because um, they, they have the same matching colors in the helmet, and he seems to be protecting him and very proud of him. You know what I mean? It's hard to tell because they're all wearing helmets, but that seems to be what the, what's going on there. And he, of course, the Vaz comes in and pushes him out of the way when the giant armored alligator tries to eat him. Um, but it's weird. Like, just look at that, like the visual of that of that set piece where you have all of these Mandalorians in their different colorful armor. And I'm almost certain that these are just cosplayers because I've seen that. I feel like the same group at Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> and they did the same shit with the Stormtroopers too. They had cosplayers come in and do that. They had the 501st Legion come in and do that. And that's kind of cool, I guess. But when you look at it, it just looks kind of cheap because like what they're standing in front of, I actually don't know if it's real or if they're in the volume. Like I don't know what's real and what's not because a lot of like the, the shots of the water and later on in Navarro when you see um, – um, Carl Weathers or Grief Cargo standing, you just clearly like all, everything's fake behind him. It's it's the quality is inconsistent there. Um, but look, this scene looks so cheap because the extras are just standing there with flags and they have a variety of weapons. They all have their jetpacks, but there's no vehicles, there's no structures, there's no nothing. They're just in this there's a cave and a water and a bunch of cosplayers standing on a beach, and it just it's shot so stilted without any anything. There's no style. So we, we say style over substance. It's like style over substance, but the style is shit to me. Um, and the scene's really frustrating because it serves no purpose for the story. One, the action scene is embarrassing because a giant legion of these Mandalorians who follow the creed completely fail to take on a creature despite having big weapons, explosives. In fact, we see some of them jump up in the air with their jetpacks like they do in the animated series or that cool episode of early season one Mandalorian. And what do they do? They put explosives on the armored back. Scale, yeah, oh, that was it, weird. It's like, so you guys are like, weird. Yeah. you're not tactical or you're not smart. You, you're failing at everything. You have poison tip weapon, like all of that shit. Like, everything, yeah. everything. And what, do they, what do they do? After they fail, like trying to get through the armored back of the giant creature they can't fight, they try to use grappling hooks to what? Like wrestle with it? Like it's just so silly and childish. It's like... It's like watching kids play soccer for the first time. That's what that whole scene. And I'm like, these are supposed to be the best of the best. These guys are worse than stormtroopers. Like they're just useless. And, but you actually just, and I watched it again to be sure. Cause I thought I was losing my mind when I watched the screener and I watched it today. Uh, if you, the shots of the extras like running away, some of them are shooting and if some of the extras don't know where to go, <laughs> it's like hilarious. And even when they're standing still in their lines doing the ceremony, there's a kid, a slightly larger kid than the kid who's being introduced to the clan, who's like yeah. standing in the wrong position <laughs> facing the camera. There's always little details throughout the show. They just fucking like don't even care about. They just do not care. They rush through it. Um, but look, this whole set piece and all his VFX budget and all his extras and action leads to what? A scene where Mando, Mando and Grogu go into the cave and they talk to the armor and they have the almost word for word same conversation we just saw in the recap video. Yeah, she says yeah. you took off your helmet. You're 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 banished, and he says, "But if I go to this water, I can redeem myself." And but they invert what she says. At first, she's like, "You have to do this," and he says, "It's impossible." And now she's saying it's impossible, and he's saying, "But look, I found this shard of glass." And then she looks at it. And she's like, "Oh, well, that proves the whole planet's glass." It's like, no, it's just, it's just a shard. <laughs> like, where did it come yeah. from? It's just like it's just the entire thing's useless. And then skip a scene. Now we're on Navarro. Recap. They tell us where Cara Dune. Um, is they kind of write her off the show. She's part of the special forces, which is probably supposed to be that spinoff show. That's may or may not happen. Yeah. Um, right. So it's just, it's, it's so weird. And then here, what do we get? More member berries. We get the little creatures from Jabba's palace in the trees. We get a bunch of Babu Fricks. We get to see the N1 member berry starfighter. Uh, it's just, 
nothing happens here. What does he want to do? He wants to bring back a droid who completely exploded. Gone. Are there not other fucking droids? Like it's it's. I, was, I didn't understand. It has to be that. this. Like, this droid is the droid. It's the only droid he trusts. Like I. It's like, like talking to my four. That is kind of like talking to my fucking four year old. It's like, why do we need this one? Because it is this one. Uh, what? <laughs> <It's so silly. laughs> Are they trying to undo the sacrifice play or undo the stakes? Because there's no stakes in the show, and like you guys hinted at. I don't feel emotions for anyone, even the pirate encounter, which I'll get to in a second. This is like, I don't feel anything. I don't care what, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why Mandalorian is so horny for to fucking fix this thing to be part of a clan. Like, I, I don't know why everyone's so caring about helmets. Like none of this shit matters to me. Like what is Grogu even doing? Like they tried to solve that and get him on his quest in season two. And this kind of like writes it off because of the book of Boba Fett. And like, I, I honestly don't know what they're doing. Um, and it's really annoying. But to get back to the, the ridiculousness, <laughs> and I have a lot of details here. Um, so after we meet Carl Weathers, who's awesome, they go outside and, and the pirates are there. And what do they want to do? They want to go for a drink in a school full of kids. So Carl Weathers says, hey, he's, he's actually handles it really well. Come to my office. I'll give you drinks, boys. I respect you guys, even though you're asshole pirates. And nope, they still want to go into the school full of kids to have a drink. <laughs> what is their goal here? To actually succeed and have drinks in a room full of kids? Or like, do they want to get into a standoff? And like, what are they fucking doing? It's so silly. And then here's the best part. They dispatch five of them and let Vane, the leader of them, go. And then later on in the space fight sequence, Vane says, you kill four of my guys. No, it was five. But it gets worse because in the scene, when they kill the five, it zooms in on Bane's face. And so after they kill the five, you see the Trandoshan guy in the back, you know, like Bosk from OG Empire Strikes yeah. Back. He's laying face down. They zoom in on Bane. He's sitting up facing forward as if they forgot the extra was still in the shot. And then it <laughs> zooms out again and he's laying down face down again. It's like every sequence or set piece has some major fuck up the number of people the what the extras are doing the dead but not dead guy it's like i can't it's just so cheap looking and you, and you couple that in with like the the the, the fucking weird inconsistent green screens everywhere the extras doing weird shit i don't know why whether even here in the first place he's trying to get a droid that blew up and should just just move on like tell us a new adventure this show is making the star wars universe feel so frigging small and we're starting to recycle literally dialogue scenes and contradict ourselves a little bit. It's very frustrating. Um, and then, of course, you guys talked about Bo-Katan, too. We get to this castle in the Mandalorian system. So apparently there's like three livable planets in the, in the Mandalorian system. Why don't they just live on this fucking planet with the castle? Even though the castle is completely empty and Bo-Katan sits there full in armor doing what? Is there even food in this castle? Is there a computer terminal she can do some shit on? Like, What is she doing dressed like that in the throne other than what you guys said? Just to have that visual shot of her doing the pose. And, you know, I, I can't remember that, that. That structure does seem very familiar. I, maybe it's actually in the animated series, but I don't remember them being on that planet. But um, yeah. I'm not sure. But she, you know, the show ends with her giving her info of, you know, where to go on Mandalore. And clearly he's going to go there. And, he, and, you know, that's what episode two is going to follow up on, right? But, um, I do a list of positives, though, despite this. I think this this, this being a really terrible episode. Um, I have a long list of positives, actually. Um, one, Grogu sees a hyperspace whale at the beginning when they're when – they're, which is yeah, the, the Porgil from Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, Porgil, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the only positive of the show. Okay. So, <laughs> um, maybe the pirates have ships, I guess, is cool. They, they clearly set up the tree face group guy um, to be a cool pirate villain in the future, I'm sure. But uh, uh, you, mean, uh, you mean Swamp Thing or whatever? 
Yeah, I mean, the fucking I have a big question. I have a big lingering question about that, though. There's only like one plant-based species really in that I know of, and that was introduced in the High Republic, and they were a bunch of crazy-ass dark side monsters. So I'm kind of like kind of interested if they – if they're called the Dren Gear and they're like, yeah, see, I do my fucking Star Wars research, people. I've been writing about them for years. I get that uh, member berries in the show. But I don't know if he's one because they're they're like literal monsters, but that's in the time of the High Republic. Oh, know. no, no. This guy is a dude from Pirate. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, um, I'd be interested to see like what they say about him. And uh, man, I, I think there's a lot of misfires, but I, I am really annoyed every time I see that N1 Starfighter on screen with the pod in the back. Like, this, what a silly choice to bring that ship in just give them a transport man like they should have a bathroom at least you know like it is really well, weird that the, i mean it's cool like i mean i guess it was probably supposed to be like reflective of like the evolution of his, you know he's not a bounty hunter anymore he's like he's a you know, close range star like a, yeah <laughs> i guess it is i mean you know it makes for a cool scene where they're whipping around you know those asteroids and stuff but man and he's it, destroying it is everyone crazy. like why is he so good at flying starfighters like what is that like uh <laughs> I wish they kind of, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just pure visuals, man. That's all they're giving us. Um, yeah. But clearly it's a lot of setup for things. The pirate stuff, I, when he leaves Navarro and says, I'll be back with that piece for IG-11 or whatever. And it's like, I wish they just move on. Like like you say, we're season three. Like, where's Gragu going? What is the point? Like, it, it, the end game of the season cannot be Mandalorian becoming part of this super incompetent cult again. Um, <laughs> and he's so, and Bo-Katan also fucking failed. Everyone who's Mandalorian seems to suck ass at everything. And beyond that, on just the show front, it's, it's in episode two has the same problem. Like it's clear that Pedro Pascal is not in set for any of this. And it's, oh, oh speaking of fuck ups, when he's talking to um, uh, our man, Carl Weathers, the only good part of the show, when they're looking up at the IG 11 statue and he says, I'm here for this. The dialogue doesn't match his body movements because he finishes speaking, it pauses for a second, and then he moves his hands as if he's still talking. And it's like, oh, mm. God, they didn't even time the stunt doubles like fucking speaking with Pedro Pascal's voiceover. It's like – what? A, it's like this show is like no one gives a fuck or they just felt so obligated to show so many different things yeah. to set up, I don't know, whatever is going to come out of this. But um, look, I'll, I'll say this. Like episode two has just a cringeworthy intro. They go to a place they should never go back to. It's just so bad. But the rest of the show, I'll say this, the episode is actually great. It's very different, and it feels like the next adventure, a new Star Wars. It's legitimately great. So, you know, there is hope beyond this garbage intro. Um, so I hope that the rest of the season picks up on that and, like, just does something different. Because, like, I, I don't – I almost don't give a shit. I don't even know what they're doing with Gragu. Does it even matter? Because they're going to undo it in some spinoff show, right? And it's like yeah. – the, the mask thing, I don't care. Pedro's not going to be there or they're going to stick with the helmet thing. That's boring and shitty. Like, what is the end game? And and it makes me, honestly, with, with Star Wars Celebration coming up in April, they got work to do because, like, outside of Andor, the shit ain't working. And and they've announced, like, 37,000 films with directors with no dates. And they got to fucking announce something for real. And, like, Ahsoka's got to be good because, like, the Filoni, John Favreau duo – it's not hitting home runs. And they let Robert Rodriguez make the Boba Fett. And I'm like, damn, we got to get away from that and let the Gilroys take over or something. Because right now I'm not I'm not feeling it. But like, yeah, I guess we're all fucking negative. I'm sorry. Did we? Who directed this episode? Was it anybody Rick like Fram, special? Rick Fram and you. Uh, which I don't uh, like his episodes, to be honest, so far. But it's a different director for episode two. Uh, yeah. No, I like but, his episode. I've liked some of it. I've liked his episodes. I think he's uh, – I mean – my blackness will only allow me to say so much, but I think he is my 
God, least favorite of now. the regular directors that they get for that. Because um, Bryce Dallas kind of stepped her game up real big, and that's kind of hard yeah, to argue. It's true, because her first one was bad, but she got Yeah, her first one was terrible. garbage, but then she got so good. She I mean, she had the mic stands and the fucking all the mistakes, but then, uh, yeah, now she's just killing it, so it's kind of hard to argue against her. Uh, yeah. Deborah Chow's killed it. Like, um, I mean, yeah, Deborah Chow killed it on this, and she did, like, I mean, even those best parts of Obi-Wan. Oh, boy. Uh, okay, sorry, Kofi. The, the final two episodes of the season are both Rick, but episode two is Rachel, Rachel Morrison. And that's, a, that's to me is a really great episode. So uh, I'm worried that Rick is bookending the season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, but I Rick Faminier has done some, I mean, he's done some, didn't he do like the first episode where all the Mandalorians like jump in and saved his ass in the first season? Was that oh, him? when they all like team up? I don't yeah. remember now. That was a pretty he good. Did, he did the second, he did the second episode and he also did the, it looks like the sixth episode, oh. The Prisoner. I don't remember which episodes these were necessarily, but hmm. um, yeah, second episode and sixth episode. And then he did one last season, which was the second to last episode. And then he's got, yeah, he's got three this season. Um, yeah. <sighs> I, uh, I, I don't know. Well, I love The Wood. That was one of my favorite movies when I was in high school. So. Oh, The Prisoner was the one where they did the prison heist. That thing was cool as shit. Yeah. Yeah. That was like where Clancy Brown was like the devil dude. Yeah. I didn't like that episode, to be honest. It was too cringe, the dialogue. But yeah, I guess. Yeah. And he did the one where Grogu levitated the beast the first time. Like, yeah, he's, he's yeah. done some pretty solid episodes. Yeah. I mean, but again, oh, yeah, that was yeah, I think he. I think he is the least favorite of my Mandalorian directors overall. No, Peyton Reed. I'm sorry. Peyton Reed is. Yeah, it was all right. But he also did, but he also did the Luke episode. I didn't know that he did the Luke episode. The season one, one, I suppose, or season two. I mean, when we first see him at the end. Yeah. So season, he did season, he did the rescue one. So he did the last episode of season two. And then he yeah, did Peyton the Reed. second episode, which was The Passenger, which was the one with the frog lady. Yeah, that's it. Which but uh, Rick Famanua did also did the one where they sneak in the Imperial base and he removes his helmet and does all that like stuff. Oh, right. So <laughs> that, I actually really – with um, yeah. where they had Bill Burr back. Like I, I actually yeah, liked that yeah. episode a lot. I was, like, Bill Burr coming back ones. was okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That what, was one of my favorite sh- ones. Yeah, the shit with him and, and, and Mando taking off his helmet at the table, that shit was great. But it yeah. was like um, Gia Carano and uh, oh god, what's her face from um, Book of Boba Fett and Agents of Shield? I'm totally blanking. It's the wine, you know the the who's Boba Fett's right hand? Oh, Fennec Shand. Fennec Shand, yeah. The, the fuck, those two acting were so bad in that episode. Like, um, but uh, I'm glad that Bill Burr got his moment because he was fucking killer in that episode. Yeah, he was good in that one. He was good in um, that one for sure. Yeah, that monologue at the table with the Imperial officers was just fucking That's crazy. it, yeah, yeah. That episode was dope. That was dope. Now, that was an episode was like, that was the most Andorish episode I think they had, like, with That's like it. just how tense it was with the stakes and like fucking getting Characters at a table, dialogue, baby. Like, just yeah. tell a story, man, and then make stakes real. Make it matter. Make emotions matter. Like, that's the problem with Mando. I don't know give a shit about the other characters right now. So, um, 
But again, episode two is like cool. It's different visually. It's different. You get to see some cool stuff. But um, we should definitely talk about that when it drops. With the Pergo stuff, like, do you think that's just like bullshit that they threw in there, or is that gonna actually? Oh, it's it's hundred percent set up. They gotta explain how Ezra comes back, right? Like, (laughs) I guess that's yeah. No, but it is because they cast Ezra. He's coming to Ahsoka. It's all about that. They're gonna explain the space whales of the future, man. Um, yeah, I guess hyperspace whales. I mean that—that's literally how Rebels ended. Like he just yeah, took yeah, an right. army of space whales he got friendly with, and you know, yeah, yeah. that's the only reason it's there. Oh lord, that's what yeah. I mean, though. It's like that, you know, like so it's only there to like set up something that's going to happen in another show. You know, like I don't know. I tease it, yeah, because then you'd be like, oh yeah, Mandalorian. We kind of hinted that that Grogu saw these motherfuckers. Remember, like yeah. Because it's such a weird concept when you think about it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they got to introduce the shit in live action. Like, yeah, yikes. it is quite strange. Um, what what else? So, okay, so what are you guys like kind of hoping for out of the rest of the season then? Like, Kofi, you, I think you painted a realistic picture of kind of where this is all headed. It's like, you know, he's going to sort of get sucked back into his, you know, his clan because he's going to, you know, purify himself in the waters of Mandalore or whatever. And then he's going to, you know, do something. He's going to probably like Bo-Katan's going to come after him for the dark blade or something. And he's going to, you know, manage to like best her, but also bring her on board. And then they're going to like put together some big joint thing where he really is the like leader that, you know, unifies his people or something like that. Is that a satisfying arc for this season? Like if it ended with that and there's a unified Mandalore that goes and takes back or Mandalorians that goes and takes back Mandalore. Is that like a thing that we ultimately would look back on the season and be like, oh, cool, that was worth it? Or would you just kind of be like, well, you know, who gives a shit? Because they just like went and like got their planet back. Because it, does, it doesn't feel like it has stakes to the larger plot. That's what like I think the thing that's kind of weird about Grogu is, is I think we all thought when we saw Baby Yoda... Like, oh, man, like the implications of all of this is really, really interesting. (laughs) And then it kind of is just like, it's not that like, it's not about him anymore. It's about the Mandalorian, which I I don't know. I don't know that we're all that invested in his, you know, his story at this point, like the end goal of his story. (laughs) His end goal is to like reteam with the armorer who we can just visit at any time anyways. Like, what is he? (laughs) I just don't understand what his goal is. Like, yeah, what a boring life. I don't know. I just um, – yeah. Look, I, I have an idea. Like, I, I think the Mandalorian, the title of the show, doesn't necessarily have to apply to Din Djarin. Um, yeah. I think they should just pass the torch to Bo-Katan and do something fucking different because she's actually like, effective when she wants to do her shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whereas Mando – Sackoff is like – Mando can't even pick up a goddamn sword right now. So it's like um, – yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and Katie Sackhoff just kicks ass in that role still. Yeah, let her take over. Yeah. At least she's on set. I hope they, I mean, honestly, um, I hope they just do something. There has to be a drastic kind of separation point to this all. Like, somebody's yelling at me on Twitter right now about, oh, the Mandalorian I see here is a man who learned and expands his worldview through fatherhood, which has helped him question his religion and upbringing. So in the future, he will evil leave or be leave it behind or turn it into something better. It's like, yeah, great. But how far along into that are we? And how much of that is actually conveyed in the story? Like I responded to him that his fanfic is amazing and I want to read it. Let's (laughs) talk about the, but let's talk about the actual show. And it's like, yeah, we can get there. And I hope that 
instead of a rah-rah uniting thing, which would be good, like socio-political fantasy, I hope it gets into something deeper and more serious, which is like him, him following these myths and these kind of ideologies and then having Mm -hmm. to find out how fucking empty they are and (laughs) him and Grogu. But seriously, because ideology can really screw you over in life. And we're kind of at the age where you begin to figure that out at like 40 about right now, late thirties, forties, when you're like, when you're like, Oh, a lot of that shit I was espousing when I was, a younger person like was just shit. I was like pumped into me and I don't know if that's really shit. I hold on to as a value system, especially when you become a parent and things like that, everything gets put through the fucking, you gets put through the review again. Right. You're like, what am I teaching these kids? And were the people teaching me actually really like, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff I have with parenting because of my parents when I'm like, hearing myself do stuff in parenting and like my wife or me would be like, cause of all the conversations we had be like, you know, makes you be like, you didn't want to do this. You didn't want to keep repeating this cycle that you, I see you repeating right now. And it's like, yeah, you're right. That did like fuck me up when my parents did that. Like, I don't want to keep doing that. So I'm not going to do this. So, or that or the other. And it's like all that shit gets serious. And if Mando starts to do that on a serious note, in this season, I'll be into this show. Like I will put it, I will start to put it up there on Andor level. Like if, if you basically kind of end this season with him realizing you can't go under a fucking planet, bathe in mystical waters, and have all be like kumbaya again, and that factions like Bo Katan and the and the armorer may never see fucking eye to eye, and that's some hard shit, and he may not yeah. be he may not have a place in any of that in his place, maybe with Grogu and Grogu has already chosen. He doesn't have a fucking place in the easy spot of being a Jedi and like them having to forge their own new way. Like, you know, this will be the way like, or some shit like that. Like will, I mean, if they drop a line like that and make him break from all this and kind of go and do his own thing, like that would both be a new reason to keep watching the show and, a way to kind of start steering this away from the obvious hard wall of where the fuck were you two during the goddamn first resistance or, or uh, first order? Like what the fuck were you two doing? Um, when the galaxy was getting shit on by a Palpatine clone that you guys had investigated fucking years earlier. How could you not see nine 11 coming together? Like what the fuck? Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, and where was That's- Grogu when it was time to fucking pull it all in and vaporize the emperor's shitty clone? So yeah, I I feel like that's one of the weird things I feel like, and I think maybe that's the missing piece. I know we're, we're kind of, I don't know, like hashing this out at a level that some people are just going to be like, who gives a shit? Just go along with it. But (laughs) I think part of the problem is I don't understand. And it doesn't seem to me that like the Mandalorian knows what he is attempting to accomplish by going and bathing in the waters of Mandalore and stuff. Like he's, you know, he wants to be get right with the way, but I think the the idea that we're laying out where it's not just about getting right with the way, it's kind of about like getting right with the way so you can kind of get back in with with your people and then you can kind of leverage your people into a larger battle that, you know, to retake your home world or something like that makes sense. But that doesn't seem to be what he's doing. He seems to have kind of fallen back into the trap of just wanting to get right with his people. He doesn't want to be exiled anymore. And that is not a journey that I particularly give a shit about because We've basically seen him confronted with how stupid that 
you know, that sort of ideology is. I mean, Bo-Katan straight up told him that. So I don't, I don't kind of understand why he is so invested in. Yeah, they don't explain it. And it kind of conflicts with his motivations with what he's trying to do with Gragu or what he exactly. was trying to do with Gragu, yeah. right? And, but beyond that, like the, the scale of the show and how it depicts so far the factions of the Mandal- Mandalorians, like it's so small scale. Like what is their goal? The, 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 the cosplayers in the beach who have nothing or Bo-Katan who also has nothing in her empty building. Like what are they going to do? Have a campfire together if they win on the glass planet? Like what, what are they going to yeah. do if they team up? There's no over – arching a threat other than you know moff gideon i guess who just wants his fucking sword like uh, you know what i mean and they haven't really they've kind of forgotten the idea of like trying to capture gragu for his i assume his dna it's <laughs> like in the yeah, yeah, well, maybe they're gonna go back into that but who the fuck is excited yeah. for that so they could bring back palpatine and snow clones or something like no one gives a shit so yeah. and the show certainly doesn't so far so it's weird having like it's, it's hilarious like and Bro, like you guys, did anybody watch the Bad Batch, or am I the only one who watches that? I've seen the so first, I'm, yeah, I'm not the, first, the first most recent episodes. Four, I think. Okay, so yeah. you saw the Zillow Beast thing where all of yeah. Star Wars is working super hard to fucking explain this Palpatine clone. There are so many <laughs> Mandalorian season two, Bad Batch season two. Everybody's now obligated to add a little piece of how the fuck oh, did this God. all happen? Like, yeah, yeah. it's a saga ruined everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, I just, they're gonna be that away for years it's amazing i just texted you guys a meme that you guys put on facebook's their screen rant put on facebook rob that is just like fucking it's just like every time i've, I've looked at it like oh, yeah. four times it's so <laughs> fucking funny it's like the armor for our listeners like it's not gonna be as funny to our listeners because they're not like looking at it but but it's like the armor talking and it's like you know have you ever removed your helmet and the mandalorian says i have and then she says you know then you're not a mandalorian anymore and then instead of you know him going on this like trip or whatever to try and like restore his uh credibility with them he just says all right fuck y'all i'm gonna go hang out with boba fett and then he goes and then it's like cuts to a picture of the two of them and he goes and then so i said and then she said i wasn't a mandalorian anymore and he said you have the dark saber bro tell her that she's no longer a mandalorian (laughs) (laughs) it's so stupid but it's so funny it's so true like I don't know. Isn't that hilarious I, though? Like, think about that. Like, yeah. the, the armor is like so hardcore Creed, and that, as we saw her in the Book of Boba Fett, whatever, she's like a three-person clan. It's fucking useless. She's got a hammer, and that's her like fucking life. And then her clans, like, yeah. they got Boba Fett became this fucking joke of a nothingness on the shittiest planet in the galaxy. <laughs> could have been a badass. Could have been like settling scores. Could have been a hunter killer of other bounty hunters. No, he's a fucking softy, just like Mando, who's got no purpose other than to bathe. And take care of the fifty-year-old kid who's more powerful than he is. <laughs> what is the point of the show? Like, and I don't even know. Oh God, yeah, they got it. Yeah, but that meme it's, sums it up. Yeah, I, uh, I'm. Ex- I mean, you know, even outside all this, I'm excited to watch episode two, especially <laughs> since you said it's an improvement. I, I don't know if it's going to get me, you know, hyped or back on track or whatever. But I, uh, I mean, I, I. Any like I don't want to say anything is better than this because this wasn't terrible. <laughs> I but mean, it, it's like, close to bottom of the barrel though for me. <laughs> it, yeah, it is probably one of my least favorite episodes of this show, which is you know kind of saying something because I feel like in general there haven't there have been some episodes of this show that aren't great, and I I, I don't know 
Yeah, I'm not. I don't know. Look, I'm not sure. the, the Mandalorian to me was always like a seven out of ten show. You get some really cool shit and likable characters, but a lot of it's like yeah. not great. And it's like it's certainly not comparable to any of the top. And we always, I always say the same thing every fucking time we talk about streaming shows. But like every network has their flagship, premium, prestige shows, and like Mandalorian, nothing Star Wars and Marvel compares to any of it. The only thing Disney Plus has done outside of National Geographic is Andor, and this it's such a whiplash effect to go back to this shit. And I thought they would learn from Robert Rodriguez's The Book of Boba Fett. But man, this intro is bad. But yeah, I, I, again, we have no idea. And it's also very frustrating that Disney and Lucasfilm are so reliant on their secrecy marketing gimmicks. Like the fact that we had to do the jungle for this and the red carpet for this, not having yeah. seen the first two episodes, speaks yeah, volumes to the shit. Yeah. And I understand. We actually asked Filoni and Favreau about that. And they want to maintain the, sec- the, the, the secrecy and the enjoyment they had as kids when they went to see Empire Strikes Back. And they were blown away by the Darth Vader reveal. And I get that. But it's like we're beyond that now. You have fucking a thousand hours of programming. Like you can't do that shit anymore. Like we are we, – we know all these characters. We know this whole universe. Treat it like a normal show. And forget your fucking gimmicks. Make a great show and we'll talk about it. That's what matters. Yeah. And and they're not doing that. They're, to me, they're delivering dog shit with Book of Boba Fett and this and some of the some of the episodes of Mando season two. Um, and now that they're hiding it all and being weird about it. But again, episode two, after the shitty intro, legitimately great. So this could all turn around in two weeks and we could all eat crow. But um, the track record would not suggest as much. And we are still so unclear, even three seasons in on what any of the key characters are actually trying to do long-term. And that's kind of the bigger problem, even if the episodes are good coming going forward. Yeah. Well, I'm at 5%, so this sounds like a good time as any to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. um, I was I was specifically asked, really, you know, on, uh, on Twitter for us to talk about the Flash trailer for like two minutes because it's my most anticipated movie of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, I know that's a couple well, of You guys to go fucking back, yeah. Yeah, um, I know. Dig back into the past. What did you guys think of it? Because we didn't, you know, I mean, it revealed a lot of stuff. There was some cool things ooh. in there. We did a whole trailer breakdown on the excellent comic book nation and talked about it, but um, basically nobody expected the Flash to pull this off and thread the needle and actually bring us back around and introduce a new DCU, close out an old DCU, bring back some of the smartest, best elements like Michael Shannon Zod. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Who knew that was fucking happening? That was a great little twist um, and makes sense for this version of Flashpoint. And um, the Keaton Batman stuff looks a little weird, but Sasha Callie's Supergirl might end up earning her keep and staying because she already seems pretty awesome. So, I mean, who knew? Who knew the Flash was going to be the dark horse? I mean, I guess you picked that shit, huh? We all yeah, laughed at it. But, I was, uh, yeah. Is that, I was so, is that, so you were the person who wanted to talk about for two minutes? Just to say you were right? <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, just, like, yeah, just okay. going to take a victory. Yeah, well, I'm no, glad I'm at 4% <laughs> now. 4% sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think of it, Rob? It, the trailer was solid. I mean, like putting aside all the fucking problems behind the scenes and the 37 directors and 25 scripts they went through for this bullshit and the Ezra Miller of it all, I think Kofi nailed it. Like, I think Sasha's going to be a standout. I think the marketing campaign will rely on her and Keaton, um, even yeah. though they're throwing away all this shit potentially after this movie comes out. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Man of Steel stuff, they matched the style of it. Michael Shannon coming back, that's a cool way to show like this universe is, or that particular universe's version of Man of Steel, which is super fucking cool. I, I wish... Yeah this would have mattered more in another realm where like they actually completed their fucking stakeholders meeting plan <laughs> and like, all yeah. the, you know, they all fit nicely. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm also still not going to get over the fact that they recast um, what's his face playing the flashes or Barry Allen's father. Um, oh, but yeah, yeah, I mean the trailer looked 
good. Um, and I, I love seeing, you know, Keaton back and everything. And, and, and uh, for all the problems, Ezra is a talented, you know, yeah, on screen talent. Just, yeah. And, and playing two characters in this, it's, 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 I understand Warner Brothers' weird predicament there with this extremely expensive production and relying on a, you know, <laughs> yeah. a PR liability. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's weird. I, I hope it's good. It's just weird that they fucked up the franchise into oblivion. And now we're like, it's just a weird spot to be in because it could have been in another realm in the multiverse. This could have been a long term piece of greatness, yeah. right? That's it. Yeah, it was friend what of the show. What do you think, Ben? It's so good. You were right. <laughs> LOL. Yeah. Mission Impossible is still better. <laughs> it was friend of the show, Jermaine Jones, that asked us to talk about Oh, fucking Jermaine. Um, but, uh, DC fanboy. Yeah. But the – no, I mean, I really dug it. I, I agree the Batman stuff is a little bit weird looking. Like, as cool as it is to see, like, Michael Keaton's Batman doing, like, almost Ben Affleck-level acrobatics <laughs> and, like, slamming people around – it's also like that dude's like you know seventy years old or something. Like, yeah, uh, I don't you know, but I, I agree. Like the Supergirl stuff is actually. I mean, I'm obviously a big Superman fan, so seeing a really almost kind of like intense, almost semi kind of violent Supergirl is in, that's an interesting thing to me because we obviously had the version on the CW, and you know what is she? I guess it was CBS, and then it was on the CW. Yeah, that's right. Like, uh, I you know, I mean that was a that was a great version of the character. It was fun to watch that, but that was definitely a more more, you know, kind of CW-ish type show. And so seeing her in live action kind of standing in for Kal-El and kicking ass and, you know, the freaking crazy, like, heat vision effect that they have had done in the Man of Steel movies kind of applied there. Like, I, I dug it. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I hope she does kind of earn her place. Like, I'd, I'd love for some of these characters to actually kind of be part of the D, especially her. I don't know. Some of these, you know, especially some of these, like, female actresses that I think were cast kind of towards the tail end of this in some of these roles, like Batgirl and Supergirl. Like I would like to see them brought into the DCU and given a shot. Cause I think those castings were really good. It's just, they came at a really unfortunate moment in the, in the franchise. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely dug it. I'm interested in the two berries. I'm curious if, you know, like Zod is probably not the true villain of this movie. So I'm curious, yeah. like, you know what they do with that. And if, if maybe we get a dark berry or something like that, that uh, like I'd be I'd be kind of interested to you know find out a bit more about that, but it seems like it still has some surprises up its sleeve, which is exciting. So, um, but I yeah I think the trailer it's hard not to have gotten excited by that, even if you're kind of skeptical about DC. Oh, I'm really fading. I got to unplug my mic here. Oh, okay, I can't all right. Power my mic. We'll We'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up. So that does it for this episode. Uh, we'll be back, you know, probably next week. Um, <laughs> barring any, any like real life events that we all have to deal with. But, uh, you know, I'm Ben Kendrick. You can follow me at Ben Kendrick on Twitter. Um, I'm with Static Media. We run Slash Film Looper, some of your other favorite entertainment sites. Mr. Rob Keys, my no, Kofi, my go, 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 before you disconnect. Kofi, oh, that's right. Kofi, special guest Kofi Outlaw. You can find me on comicbook.com. You can also find me on the Comic Book Nation show. Hey, there we go. Hey, there we go. <laughs> All right, Rob Keys. Uh, soon to be award-winning comic book nation, by the way. Um, sure. Yes, you follow me uh, at Screen Rant. You follow me on Twitter at Rob underscore Keys. It's K-E-Y-E-S. Fail Cube on Twitch and Instagram. And uh, funny enough, speaking of Star Wars, um, do you guys remember Kevin Cole and Fuse Film? Oh, yeah. And, and our boy Factor. I did a podcast with him a couple weeks ago, and we talked <laughs> oh, all wow. about Star Wars, of all things. And on the fly, I pitched my plan for Star Wars Episodes 10 to 12 – on the fucking fly, and I think it's pretty dope. I think Kathleen Kennedy's going to hire me. We just got to figure out how to let her know I uh, exist. But yeah, uh, look for it's, that. It's pretty you cool. Get there, I think. 
I'm sure we can get word to her. Um, yeah. I mean, look, dude, if you get hooked up and you get to like help run Star Wars scripts, you know, Kofi and I are here for uh, if you need any script doctoring, you know, that's it. Ideas. Just still fucking around like this whole thing isn't about to crash and we're not about to do this whole podcast. <laughs> All that's right. True, that'll true. do it, guys. Have a uh, have a great week. Um, we'll uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye.